I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. friends. I probably sound a little bit better than I sounded last week in the intro. (laughs) When I recorded the intro to last week's podcast episode with Libby Westcomb, I was just beginning my second round of dealing with COVID. So it has been a week to say the least. And it's just funny to reflect back on Tuesday of last week when I recorded the intro to the podcast episode because I didn't even know how bad it was going to get before it started to get better. But here I am, basically just over a week post having COVID for the second time. And I'm just grateful. I'm grateful to be on the other side of it. My most of my COVID symptoms, or all of them, I should say, all of the COVID symptoms, I guess, are no longer. I'm not really coughing, sneezing, blowing my nose. I also don't have a fever anymore. I was also dealing with a lot of like body aches and chills and just all that COVID stuff, all that pleasant COVID stuff. And I'm not dealing with that anymore. But if you've ever had COVID before, you'll know that the recovery journey is a long one. I remember when I had COVID last year in May. So oddly enough, I have it again this May. But um, when I had it last year, it really took me a really long time to actually start feeling myself again. It was like months. I think it wasn't until August where I actually started to feel like myself again. So With that being said, even though I don't really have the virus symptoms anymore, I'm still dealing with a lot of fatigue and the brain fog. And yeah, if you've ever had COVID before, you'll know that the fatigue is real. Like you, I don't know, unload the dishwasher and then you just feel so beat and just so tired and fatigued and then the brain fog is definitely something that I think is the hardest part of it all because it's just so difficult to like grasp the thoughts in front of you like you can see them but you can't fully grab a hold of the thoughts in front of you which is really frustrating for someone who really has like a mentally demanding kind of job, I would say, you know, seeing clients and talking with people and um, just having conversations basically all day long. 
well, it's hard (laughs) with brain fog, but I am getting through and I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest. I have been following her on social media for years now. And I kid you not, I have been wanting her on the podcast for years as well. So I'm so excited to introduce you to Gabrielle Westbrook in today's episode. Gabrielle, as you will learn, specializes in supporting women in overcoming and healing from betrayal trauma. So she works with women who have experienced betrayal in relationships in some way. And we get into that in the show, but she includes and integrates all types of different sorts of therapy methods and also the Enneagram into her coaching. So The work she does is really amazing, and if anything that we say in today's podcast episode resonates at all, I highly recommend checking out Gabrielle and her work. She's doing amazing things, and she's one of my favorite people. So yeah, go check her out. If you're listening to the show, please take a screenshot, post it to social media, tag us, so we can see you're listening and I will be back next week with a brand new episode. Hi, Gabrielle. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to finally have you on. Hi, Meg. I know this has been a long time coming. We've had to reschedule so many times, but it's been worth the wait. This is yes, exciting. <laughs> I feel like there's been, you know, rescheduling, but also just connecting through Instagram DMs and stuff. It's like, Hey, I want you on my show. And then the DMs get lost and pushed oh, down yeah. in the mess. And well, so- that's we texted earlier today. I joked and I was like, when a four and a nine try to make plans. And it's like so accurate because my friends know this about me. I'll like take days to respond and it just like continues. Like we just like have the same conversation for like two weeks because because of that. Yeah. So you mentioned a type four, which is me and a type nine, which is you. So our listeners are actually pretty familiar with the Enneagram. I've had so many different conversations about the Enneagram on the show over the past few years. Like so many and I love it so much but I know that's definitely something that you integrate into your work so I'm excited to talk to you about that but before we dive in do you want to introduce yourself to everyone if they're just meeting you for the first time yes so I am Gabrielle Westbrook um it's it's always kind of funny with this question like lately for me because I've been in such a transition period with what I do over the last like six months so it's still not like super nailed down but the gist of what I do is I am a certified coach so I am certified in the Enneagram and then I'm also um certified as a rapid transformational therapy practitioner and hypnotherapist so the, the work that I really specialize in is mainly just like helping women heal 
trauma, unprocessed, unresolved trauma in their lives so that they can like feel like themselves again. Um, And I specialize in betrayal trauma, which is um, women who have experienced betrayal in their romantic relationships and the trauma that ensues because of that. So that's kind of the work that I do. And this year, I I, I mean, the last couple of years, I've just been strictly one-on-one coaching. And this year I'm kind of just like playing and like trying new things, putting out new offers. And so it's just kind of, I'm just like letting myself try new things and it's been fun, but also like scary, but exciting at the same time. (laughs) It is so exciting. And I saw you post recently about just showing up like imperfect or taking imperfect Mm -hmm. action. And honestly, just recovering from COVID, like still recovering. You and I just had a whole like (laughs) non-recorded conversation about this because you also just had COVID, but that just like I've heard that before, you know, but it was just so nice to be reminded about taking imperfect action from you. Like it just resonated with me. Um, and it totally inspired me to just post a reel today because my, like my hair's in braids. I don't feel like particularly attractive and, you know, and then I like kind of had you in my mind and I was like, Oh yeah, it's just about imperfect action showing up. And so I love that, but I'm so curious what this transition, you said like six months, you've been kind of like transitioning your business in a way. So I'm very curious, like what that transition is looking like for you. Yeah. So first full year in business for myself was in 2021. I was doing coaching in 2020, but I was working um, with someone else with their business for a little while. And then at the end of 2020, um, like moved away from that and into my own. So again, it was just like learning and figuring it out even last year. Um, but it was about, I want to say August of last year. And I took two weeks off and it was the first time I had done that since when I started in 2020 note to self and any business owner out there. Like if you have, if you can take like every quarter, take a break. That is something that I will never not make the mistake of again. It's so, uh, it was just like such a, you learn so much, you see so much things, so much clearer, you know, but anyways, I took a break in August of last year and I was just like, whoa, I am drained, you know, because as you know, we have similar work in the sense of like when you're working with, you know, in the one-on-one capacity and you're dealing with very not light topics all the time, you know, you're going deep and it's heavy. It, you want to show up, you want to give your best to your clients. You want to support them as best as you can. And I just realized how much energy I, it took in a great way, but also I knew it wasn't sustainable for me. And I'm a projector. I'm an Enneagram nine. Like I just like really have, I was leaning into that, those, the knowledge that comes from knowing that in this transition. So just what, like, what is, feels like ease, what feels like play, what feels like rest. Um, that's like kind of what I've kept in my mind. And so okay, I'm going to try to launch a course and I'll try to, you know, do like a group program or, um, 
this is not anything I've talked about. Like I am going to be launching this, but I haven't really like promoted it or anything. So sneak peek access, but I am creating a subscription, like membership. It's going to be a mentorship and support membership group for women who've gone through betrayal. Um, because I just want to create this space for women where they feel like they're on this Island to have community, but in a more private way and not just like on Instagram, you know? So anyways, um, so just like trying new things. So again, it's not really like nailed down or like, I don't know. I I think going back to what you said about, you know, imperfect action, the thing that I keep remembering is like, I only need to know 51% to like go for it. Um, and the rest will kind of, the pieces will kind of fill itself in as I go. So that's kind of been my process, (laughs) not very strategic, but it just like feels good to me. (laughs) No, I think. And I mean, what is like, I don't think we need to be as like strategic as we're told we need to be. I don't know. I've never, followed a strategy before and I feel like I'm doing pretty good with things so yeah I agree and here's the thing it's like you said waiting or not waiting but like if you're like 51% in the know of like what you're doing right everything else is going to fall into place whereas so many of us I think and this doesn't even have to be business related but Mm -hmm. if we're waiting until we're like 100% solid in what we know that day is literally never gonna come right exactly because things shift even the things you start with I'm sure in your business like there's probably some things you've tossed to the wayside and things have shifted and changed. And, and that goes back to that taking imperfect action of like, who cares if I make typos in my caption or who cares if my caption doesn't really make sense to someone or if my posts don't make chronological, that was a big one for me. Like I felt like things had to make like chronological sense and or like this order. And like, I don't know, it just was getting me so, uh, I think we've talked about this before actually too of like envisioning like in your mind this like caricature of someone who's gonna come at you if you say something wrong or if you say something hurtful or if you say something you know I don't know that would be harmful to someone and then um you know and so you hold yourself back from actually saying the thing you want to say um because of that fear so yeah it's been big on my mind (laughs) yeah oh I'm so proud of you and I know you're helping so many women and I want to like dive into the women that you're helping but I'm also so curious like how you found the Enneagram and like how did that become a part of your healing journey and just a part of your life yeah so I discovered the Enneagram back in 2016 um, through a podcast, I heard Beth McCord who runs your Enneagram coach. She was just doing a general, what is the Enneagram podcast and, um, heard her. And so I was immediately intrigued because before I'd always kind of been into like Myers-Briggs and like just different kinds of things like that. But when I was hearing the descriptions of what she was saying, I was like, Ooh, I resonate with the one, the six, like I just had all these, the four was one of them. And I had all these ones that I resonated with. And then she had a free quiz on her website that was like pretty accurate. So I took that. It's such a good quiz though. Yeah. Hers is really good. I like hers and I like, um, like the Enneagram Institutes too. Um, but yeah, I took that and it said I was a nine and I was like, what? 
that wasn't even one of my top ones. Like, no. So I went on like a seven month journey of like trying to prove that I wasn't a nine because I was so like cringed out by the fact that I was like, (laughs) um, and yeah, I just like read a few books. Um, I actually signed up for coaching. Um, I went through Beth McCord's like um, self-paced coaching. Like I went through a bunch of different things. And at the end of it, I was like, I'm a nine. So (laughs) that was a while ago. And then I just kind of like, you know, the typical, you talk to all of your friends about it and you kind of just are reading about it, consuming about it. But especially for nines, I would say fours and nines are similar of like, finally, I have words that like mean so much to me and it just speaks to my soul. So I kind of stayed in that place for a while. And it was actually interesting in 2018, um, Beth McCord, like I was on her email list and she said like, oh, you know, Enneagram coaching, like you can get certified as an Enneagram coach. And I had this strong gut instinct to do it. And I, I talked to my husband about it and he was like, he, I was in the fitness industry at the time. So my husband was like, no, like, this is like, we've talked about this. This is your path. This is, you, this is what you've been working for. You want to do fitness. This is what you want to do. And I'm like a typical nine asleep nine fashion. I'm like, you're right. You're right. Okay. Not going to do it. And I didn't, and I kept pursuing fitness and then this is a really long story. I'll, I'll try to wrap it up, but at the oh, end, of- I'm like, so into it. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I, yeah, I didn't do it. And I, and I, it's, you know, as a nine, I like listening to someone else to tell you that what you should do, because you have no idea what you should do or who you are, or what you like, or what you want. And, you know, gaslighting myself of like, no, 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 that, that was that feeling I had inside me. That was wrong. Like, that's not, I'm supposed to do this. And so I went like another year, I would say I broke my leg. Um, like all this stuff happened. I broke my leg. I had surgery, didn't walk for three months. Um, I had my, my husband and I, we've gone through betrayal trauma. And so, um, he had an addiction. I had another, the ninth disclosure of our relationship. Like it was just like chaos. And, um, it wasn't until the end of 2019, I was like, you know what? I, I'd done, I'd done a lot of healing work at that point, And I was like, you know what? I'm going for this. I'm, I'm going to say no to fitness. I really examined, I had a lot of fear. I really examined, like, is it fear because it's like the thing I should do? And it's the, like, I just have like, uh, what's it like? Um, I don't know the word I'm looking for, but am I afraid because it's the right thing? Or am I afraid because it's like, actually I'm not supposed to, you know, like that's not for me anymore. And really examined that and just trusted my gut probably for one of the first times in my life. And I signed up for the coaching certification program and did that. And yeah. And then, um, just, it it just played such a big part in my life and like any type of healing journey, especially with trauma, a lot of the time, especially if there's like complex PTSD, it's like, you know, you find a lot of I find I felt like this and a lot of my clients are like, I have no idea who I am. Like I got so wrapped up in trying to manage all the chaos around me that I completely lost myself or I betrayed myself, no matter what Enneagram type. I've I mean, I've heard it from eights, from sixes, from nines, from ones, um, all that have gone through trauma. And so um it just is such a deep aspect of recovery of self and connecting to self. And I just have not found a tool deeper than the Enneagram. So 
we use it as a tool to help recover and connect back to self. Wow. Incredible. And I so agree with you. Like there's, I've come across so many different like personality stuff over the years. And it wasn't until I discovered, cause I found the Enneagram before I found human design, but it's those mm-hmm. two things that yeah. just like stuck with me and are still with me. It's not like one of those things where you just come across and you're like, Oh, that's cool. And then it kind of goes away. Right. It's just, it's totally, it's that thing for me, both of those things. So very cool. Yeah. Obviously you're, you are in type nine, like you yeah. mentioned. And, um, so I'm curious, so we've never really like ever talked about like betrayal in relationships mm-hmm. on the show mm-hmm. before. So for our listeners, if you want to maybe talk about that a little bit, let us know, Mm -hmm. like, what does that look like? Because maybe we have like an idea of what, like the obvious betrayal looks like and sounds like, but I feel like it's so much bigger than just like Mm -hmm. the one thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, so my experience was, um, my husband had a secret, it was, it was secret for the first part of our relationship, um, pornography addiction. And, um, my beliefs is that it is a form of infidelity. So we're talking about infidelity at large here, but like, for me, what that means is porn addiction, sex addiction, cheating, like a physical affair, an emotional affair. Um, and that usually those four kinds of avenues are what the women who come to work with me have experienced. And betrayal within a relationship could have happened, you know, with someone you previously dated and then broke up or uh, years ago in the current relationship you're still in. You know what I'm saying? And and like I have had some clients who, um, you know, were cheated on years ago, no longer with that person, but they were still dealing with the symptoms, the complex PTSD symptoms, the trauma symptoms because of that. And so healing from betrayal can really happen at any point, no matter when you've been betrayed. It doesn't have to be like an immediate thing that you just find out and then you start the healing. It's like most of the time when I actually find it, it could be going on for years or it happened years ago. And then women still, you know, and especially like, let's say it happened years ago with someone you're no longer with, and then you move into a new relationship. This person doesn't cheat on you, but you have all those same, um, coping skills, you know, the trust issues, the hypervigilance, the thinking, you know, thinking something's going to happen. And it's because of not healing the, the stuff that happened the trauma that came from being cheated on before. Like it's a real thing and it does stay with you if left unprocessed. Because again, someone can make you feel great until something happens where you perceive it as a threat. And then as you know, your nervous system gets dysregulated and then you're right back there five years ago with your old partner. There's just so much wrapped into it. it, So they've done studies, women who have gone through this do have the same uh, that uh, symptoms that align with complex PTSD. So because there is so much lying, manipulation, gaslighting, 
um, you know, just, and I believe it's a form of abuse too. So there's the abuse cycle going on. Um, if your partner is dealing with an addiction, there's the addiction cycle going on. So it's just, there's like so much wrapped into it. Um, and a lot of the time it's treated as in a, a relationship issue, like in society, it's like, you know, the messages, I'm actually going to do a post about this today because it grinds my gears, <laughs> boils my blood because it's, you know, especially like in the church setting or just even in society, it's kind of just treated like, well, you know, to the person who's being betrayed a lot of the time, you can't put your finger on it because it's all happening behind the scenes that you can't, you know, you're being lied to. So you can't really tangibly say, I know what's going on. A lot of the times it's a felt sense within the person being betrayed. So you're kind of going off of that, but then you're being gaslit and then you start gaslighting yourself. And then you, because of this narrative of like, oh, it's the, it's the marriage. If I just do this, if I just do that, if I do more, perform more, et cetera, if I dress like this, if I say these words, if I don't bring up those topics, right? Just constantly managing everything over-functioning then my marriage will be okay. Then I'll be okay. Or my relationship, right? So it's it not just marriages, but relationships. And so it can just, it, it's like so much in the head. It's so much felt in the body. And it's so unspoken about. And, on, and you do feel like you're on this island. So yeah, it, there's just so many, I don't, I just, I went through so much of my relationship in that Part in that mindset that in 2019, I just finally was like, I cannot do this anymore. I can't keep going that way. Everything that led us here, I want to like distance myself from that. And I want to try something new. And that's when, you know, I just, I don't have the conventional kind of approach because it's not a relationship issue. It's an abuse issue that your partner needs to get help on. And as you being betrayed, the goal or the, my mission is to help you know that you'll be okay no matter what your partner decides to do or not to do. So it's a lot of healing. It's a lot of taking the time and space you need, um, potential separation, which is not a bad thing. Um, it's okay. If, you know, like some lead to divorce, some don't, right? Like it, it's, I'm for whatever the, my client's for. Um, but I just, yeah, coming to that point of like, it does take two people to make something work and heal. And both people need to be healing, not just the responsibility does not rely or solely on the betrayed, if that makes sense. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love the work you're doing so much. And I do believe that self-forgiveness was a big yes. part of your journey. I know it was a big part of my journey and we're talking about like kind of two different journeys here, you know, like my journey with my body and food and overcoming an eating disorder and getting my period back. Like I, it wasn't until I 
found self-forgiveness and started to integrate that into my journey that it completely changed things for me so in Mm. my coaching program I have a whole module about self-forgiveness and I know for you self-forgiveness is also really big and I think we can see why here right like because there's this stuff like you said you know going on and you don't really know exactly what's going on but it's like this felt sense and there's a lot of stuff that you probably hold on to that you feel like you need um, forgiveness for. So yeah, yeah. how did I w- I'm so curious how self-forgiveness showed up in your journey and how it played a role for you. So yeah. many ways. <laughs> so many ways, but I had a thought when you were just saying that it's actually interesting. A lot of my clients as a trauma response actually develop eating disorders or over, you know, overeating, undereating, overexercising, like they develop these as trauma responses, as coping mechanisms. So it's really interesting. Like, I really do believe at the root of it all is like, when you heal your trauma, these things can like not resolve themselves on their own completely, but a lot of them start to kind of just like drift away without even having to intentionally focus on that thing because you addressed your trauma, right? Yes, exactly. I mean, I have, so I have a coaching program called Back Home to You and in no where like in this program, do we ever talk about food? Like none of the modules are food modules yet every single one of my clients that has come to me with like some food issues or you know disordered eating anything like that by the end of the program it's like not a thing anymore because we've addressed the trauma because that's what it's about right yeah yeah so going back to your question about self-forgiveness yeah I mean it's interesting betrayal like experiencing the betrayal and then finally starting to work on that (laughs) unlocked a lot of stuff that I never addressed in my past right I feel like when it rains it pours and that's definitely been the journey for me um and it was interesting I had you know I had a lot of grief around how did I get here like how did I not see this how did I not sense this or not, I did sense it, but almost kind of didn't at the same time, you know, or how did I not trust my gut? Or how did I let this, how did I tolerate this for so long? There's just so many like self shaming questions and, you know, took a lot of therapy (laughs) and a lot, there's some things that are, you know, worth because of how I grew up and the pain that I experienced and these beliefs and coping mechanisms that I developed in my childhood that allowed for this kind of situation to happen in my life. Right. But then there were a lot of things that like were never my responsibility to catch. They were never my responsibility to take on that I took on so much of. So I think that self-forgiveness part came when I started to actually see myself like I am an individual. I am not just a wife or I'm not just in this marriage. That's not my identity, right? Doing a lot of like identity work, seeing myself as, as like an individual person, which then led me to start having compassion and finding acceptance for those parts of me and the pain and the inner child wounding things and you know did a lot of reparenting work and 
in that, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. I just feel like there's like a combination, at least in my experience, that led me to start focusing or thinking and practicing self-forgiveness because it's just, it was too much to carry. You know, I had to let myself off the hook at some point. So, yeah. What do you feel like a lot of your clients, like what are some of the the biggest things that you feel like they're holding on to that they need to practice self-forgiveness for? Yeah. I mean, a big one constantly that I see and hear is like, they truly do believe that somehow, some way it was their fault, you know, that they caused it. They weren't enough. They didn't do enough. They didn't, they weren't pretty enough. You know, like we, I think at some level, like, even if you're one of the most confident people out there, like you do, it does, it goes through your mind, you know? So I think that's a big one of like getting to this place of forgiving yourself of like, for believing that it was your fault, you know? Um, Trying to think other ones. That's just the biggest one that, and it's, it's the hardest to unravel for people too, that I find, because you really want to, you, it's, it's because people want to find, to have like a tangible reason as to why it happened, because it makes no sense. Because most of the women I work with are uh, empathetic, like empaths, highly sensitive, right? So it's like, they can never believe they could never do that. It doesn't make sense to them. And they're trying to make sense of something that just doesn't. So I think it's trying to hang on to something that makes some kind of sense and it's easier to blame yourself. Um, Ooh, I'm trying to think that's just the biggest one that comes to mind. Yeah, no, I think that's like such a huge one. Um, I could imagine. And you said something really interesting, um, is that most often like when we need to forgive ourselves for something, it truly is for believing something. Like that's been true for me. It's like we, that's how it all started for me, realizing that Mm -hmm. I believed this thing and that's what I needed to forgive myself for, right? And I think, I don't know, it's just a huge thing that I wanted to put out there because I think if we're not familiar with self-forgiveness, if it hasn't been part of our journey yet, it is kind of hard to wrap our heads around it. Like how, Mm -hmm. how's that going to make such a big difference in my life? Right. Because a lot of us don't feel like we actually have to forgive ourselves or forgive anyone or, you know, that sort of thing. But Mm -hmm. when you can kind of see it as, forgiving yourself for believing something or judging yourself for believing something right yeah then um, maybe that'll kind of um spark some people's minds and you know make make a little bit more sense yeah just make it a little like gentler you know what I mean because I think I think forgiveness also especially in the context of betrayal it can be so used and abused you know that phrase of like you just need to forgive you just need to forgive that's the right thing to do you just need to let it go and there's just there's so much misconception around what forgiveness actually is so that's one thing and I think the self-forgiveness part gets skipped over so much and you're just because the mindset is like I want to fix the relationship I want the relationship to be okay it's almost like you're hyper-focused on forgiving your partner that you like 
skip the step of forgiving yourself. And it's like anything, right? Like you hear about self-love. It's like, well, how can you truly love someone or like receive love from someone if you don't first love yourself? And I think it's the same thing with forgiveness. It's like, if you don't practice that with yourself, how can you like truly know and understand that with someone else? Oh, amazing. I, I just seriously like have been following you for years and I just love all of the content that you put out. And I, it, it just feels like so much of what we say is like so aligned with each other. So you talked about like group coaching and putting different offers out there this year. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious like what that looks like, because I know you mentioned you were just doing like one-on-one coaching and Mm -hmm. kind of expanding things this year. So can you tell us what that looks like? Yeah. So last year I tried group coaching and I don't know how I feel about it, (laughs) to be honest. I don't know how it aligns with me. Like at in the you know in the long run I don't know if I'm going to keep doing that I do love my one-on-ones but the thing that I really put my energy towards this year was creating online self-paced courses so um, I created the empowered Enneagram 9 course just because most of my clients have been nines I'm a nine so I put a lot of time and effort into that course and that course has been uh, it's just it was really fun it's it's just taking uh you know people who go through the course, it's just like the lens of your nineness. And we talk through all the things that the wisdom of the Enneagram has to offer us and just right. We can read so many things, but if you don't actually create transform, like you can't create transformation from an Instagram post, like, sorry to say, like, sure it can resonate, but like, it does take a bit more effort and time and intention and, you know, accountability and things like that. So that's the course teaches you how to just not know about your Enneagram type, but actually implement it and use it for transformation in your life. If you're a type nine. Yes. I just created it for the type nine. (laughs) I think that's so great because it's like, but you, you are a type nine, right? So it's just like, that's, that's what you know the best and you know it better than anyone else who's creating a course for type nine. That's a different type, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's years of practice too. It's like years of my life that I've been so invested in for my own healing, you know? So, um, you know, not, and I, yeah, I'm just, I think I was the typical nine for a long time. And now my eight wings like roar and and loud and in charge now. And so I don't look like the typical type nine, but I think that's the point. So to create a type nine course, I hope is, you know, helpful, inspiring for, other nines. And then, um, with my hypnotherapy certification and just like a big part of my healing journey has been subconscious reprogramming work. So really diving deep into beliefs and identity and inner child healing and shadow work. And so doing it that a lot self-paced, um, through hypnotherapy. And so, um, my most recent course that I created was like a hip, uh, I call it deep meditation because it's this blend of hypnotherapy, meditation, uh, neuro-linguistics programming, positive psychology. And I package that into like a deep meditation kit. So, um, it's, there's like seven meditations in there with like an embodiment somatic meditation as well. It's more, it's a video. Um, and 
yeah. So that's been my newest one. And that one really lit me up to create. So I think I'm going to continue to create more of that this year too. Incredible. <laughs> you just have like so much energy and like, it's like, a, I'm so impressed with you. That's amazing. Thanks. I know most people are like, wait, you're a nine. That doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, well, yeah, I know. And <laughs> but, you're a projector, like, but like you have so much like to share. I just think it's just like, obviously it just makes so much sense for you to be doing what you're doing. There's a lot of years of bottled up, like throat closing, squashing down, minimizing myself. You know what I mean? So now I'm finally like, I'm ready. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That makes me so happy. That's so awesome. And I will put your Instagram handle in the show notes. And I always ask my guests what it means to them to be unbreakable. So I'm curious what that means for you. It's actually really a great question. I just actually shared about this in my stories today. And I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is resilience. Like I grieved so hard for myself that I had to become resilient, but I think healing in the world of trauma and your nervous system and healing, I think it's such a world of both. And so I had to grieve it in order to be able to celebrate that resilience in me. And I think just that for me, at least unbreakable kind of going off the resilience is like, I knew that I was meant for more. And I knew that that worthiness and that like deservingness was deep within me, but I needed to keep going to unlock that. And so I think just like not settling for mediocre, you know, like just not like settling and, um, I think when, when you have that mindset, it builds that resilience to help you keep going. And I think that's how I would define unbreakable for me. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much. I always love hearing everyone's responses to that question because they're always so different, but resilience Mm -hmm. or resiliency, like that's often a word that comes up, but in the ways that it comes up, it's always so different. So thank you for sharing with us, sweetheart. I would love to have you back. We could always have like a nine show, you know, like (laughs) gather all these questions from Enneagram type nines and just answer them all with a nine. That would be so fun. I love nines. My mom's a nine. So I, I like deeply understand you. Yeah. Oh, well, I love fours. My tri-type is um, nine, four, five. So I love fours. I like, if you would have met me in high school, you would have been like, you're a four. I was, I was like in my fourness in high school. Like I just like, so I just get it. And I just all, I don't know. I just understand yeah. for so, so well. We would have so. been besties in high school. Yes. Yeah. Saying. We would have, yeah. we would have vibed. <laughs> so I, I just see you so much too. Cause I'm like, I'm like right there with you. That intensity and the emotion is just like, oh, it's so, so good. good. Uh, I loved this sweetheart. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for asking me. And thanks for listening everyone. Thank you.